people will never fully understand God because he is the infinite creator of everything and we are his creatures, his creation. More than this, his ways are not our ways, okay? We have a human tendency to be bringing God down to our level rather than letting him lift us up to his level, to himself, okay? Now, there's at least three truths about God in the scripture we heard read. And number one, the first truth is this. God always does what he says. However, the fulfillment of his word may take 25 years, 4,000 years, any number of years. We don't know precisely what that may be. Secondly, he puts people through tests and trials. Abraham was tested, but he also acts in his faithful ones in order that they will pass the test and they will grow in their knowledge of him and in their intimacy with him. That's the ultimate purpose of trials. And then he also sees everything, everything, even before it happens. And then having seen, he works in the lives of his people so that they will eventually have his image fully restored in them when they see him. Okay, these are like generalities. Now, today's account of the testing of Abraham's and Isaac's faith is one of the golden chapters in the whole history of the story of God and people going all the way back to the Garden of Eden, all the way forward to the city of God, which is still to come. And also, it helps to explain everything over all of time. Now, at the heart of everything, everything in this story, everything in scripture, everything in life, at the heart is the Savior, the Savior King. In Hebrew, Yeshua HaMashiach, and in Greek, Yesu Christu. Okay, now, location. What we heard today takes place in many places. It starts in Beersheba, which means well of seven. And it was some 45 miles southwest of Jerusalem and about 30 miles due west of the southern half of the Dead Sea. But then it moves to Mount Moriah. And when we were going through Chronicles, Mount Moriah is one of the mountains of Jerusalem, and it's where Solomon eventually built the temple of God. And then um, we um, heard 2,000 years after Abraham about what John proclaimed about Jesus. And if you read the context, it took place in what is called Bethany, or house of affliction, but it said 
on the other side of Jordan. So this is not the Bethany where Mary, Martha, and Lazarus lived. Nobody knows its exact location, but it's about 20 miles east of Jerusalem on the opposite side of the Jordan River. So that's the location of this, and it's over a long period of time. Now, the people in these places, who do we encounter? Well, first and foremost, the covenant God, Yahweh. Then we have Sarah, Abraham, Isaac, two young men. And also beyond that, we have the angel of Yahweh. More on him later. And then 2,000 years to millennia later, we have John the Baptist and Jesus. So now we are finally ready to enter into what happened to these people in these places. And why are we doing this? Why do we ever look at scripture? So that we may know God better, know him and of his ways. And most of all, to learn from what these people did so that we may both know and do God's will for us right here where we are in the here and now. So let's open our Bibles and let's dig in. First, the, um, the portion from the beginning of chapter 21 and 22, they combine And we hear about the son of whom Yahweh spoke to Abraham and how he is born to Sarah in her old age. And then some 35 years later, Yahweh tests Abraham concerning Isaac. So first in chapter 21, we hear that Yahweh did for Sarah as he spoke. His word is always done. She conceived and bore a son to Abraham when he was 100 years old. So let's look into the scripture line by line. We're told Yahweh visited Sarai as he had said. Then Yahweh did to Sarah as he had spoken. When he said she will conceive and she will bear to Abraham a son in his old age at the appointed time which God had spoken to him. So here we get to the first big point, speaking and doing. Every word that God speaks, he will do. Okay, He had spoken 25 years before this to Abraham of this very event, and then he had reaffirmed it with the three mysterious men just about a year before this when he said, a year from now, Sarah will give birth to a son. So what does this mean? I've already hinted at it. Bring it forward to now. We, we must all be willing to wait on God's word, okay, as long as he takes to fulfill it. Uh, I won't go into it now, but I remember, I now realize he spoke to me a word at 20 that something would happen when I was 30, and I was very impatient in my 20s, but he did fulfill it. Now, Abraham is 100 years old and Sarah is 90 at the time of the birth. Then Abraham called the name of his son, having been born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, 
Isaac in English, which means to laugh, but actually it's Yitzhak. So you've heard of Yitzhak Perlman. He's named after him. Literally, the name means he will laugh. He will laugh. And remember, this uh, reflects Sarah's incredulity when a year earlier she had said, will I nurse a son at my age? Well, she did. Okay, so this happened in some time later in Genesis 22, Yahweh tested Abraham by commanding him to offer his only son whom he loved as a burnt offering. Then it was, after these things, the things that had happened in between, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, behold me, or maybe you've heard the Hebrew phrase, hineni. And then he said, take now your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah, and you will offer him there for a burnt offering on one of the mountains, I will say to you. So behold me. That was Abraham's response. The moment that he was called, when he was called by name. And there's a lot of ways to express what this means in the English language. He's saying, here I am, see me, see me, and uh, just tell me, tell me what you want me to do for you. So it's a total openness to God and his will. Now, God says that Isaac is the only son of Abraham, and by this he is downplaying Ishmael. And both the Old and New Testaments tell us this. And then your son whom you love. Well, why did he love Isaac so much? Because he was the son born to Sarah according to the word of Yahweh, the covenant God. Remember, Ishmael was their own scheming because they were impatient. They were supposed to have waited for Isaac to be born. But when Abraham saw that promise fulfilled after 25 years. He loved his son from there on. Now, again, I've spoken about this, and it's so easy to forget this. You must remember what a burnt offering was. It's in Leviticus 1 and all throughout the book of Leviticus. The animal was sacrificed by cutting its throat, and then there was wood on the altar, and it was totally Burned Every part of it, every molecule of it was burned and reduced to fine ash, totally consumed. So this is an extreme test of Abraham's obedient faith in his covenant God, Yahweh. So keep that in mind. Then Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his male donkey, and then he took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. Then he divided the wood for the burnt offering. He chopped it ahead of time. And he went to the place which God had told him. And in the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and he saw the place afar off. Now, this is, this is beautiful. It was probably in a night vision that God had spoken to him. And before the sun was even fully up, as soon as it was 
dawn and he could see and the sky had become gray and he could move about, he began to obey God's command. Now, if you look down just beyond the portion that we heard read to the following verses after this, it is explicitly said that um, Abraham was acting according to what he heard. It talks about his obedience, in other words. Now, the third day is significant, people. And you think about Jesus. We heard about Jesus from John the Baptist. After three days, so Abraham had this word of the vision. It took three days of traveling. In his heart, Isaac is dead these whole three days. But on the third day, he received Isaac back alive again. And then we're told, Abraham said to his young men, abide here with the male donkey, and I and the young man will go yonder, and we will worship, and we will come to you again. We will return. Now, the word for young man in Hebrew can apply to boys, teens, young adults, all the way up to their mid-30s. And most people think Isaac was at least 35 years old when this took place. Now, again, the word for worship literally means to bow down. And Abraham had done that over and over again. But now he knows this will be a different form of worship because he's been asked to worship with his own beloved only son, Isaac, offered up as a burnt offering, which would just do away with him. But did you hear his last words? Okay, he shows amazing faith when he says, I will return with the young man. And I hope you all know Hebrews 11. And I put these three verses, 17 to 19, on the back of your bulletins this morning, and you can read them. We get the real answer about this, you know, some 2,000 years later when the writer of Hebrews says these words. Abraham considered that God would raise Isaac from the dead all throughout the Tanakh, all throughout the days until Jesus came, people were speculating. They weren't quite sure. What did Abraham mean? But as one of my professors at seminary says, the resurrection of people is all throughout scripture. And here we are way back in Genesis. And here's a little Dropping, You have to dig deep, but he believed that God could raise Isaac even if he slayed him. Now we get to the second half where the rubber meets the road. Abraham and Isaac walked to the mountain together. And then Abraham says, God will provide a lamb. And as Abraham draws the knife, the angel of Yahweh stops him. So there's two parts to this leading up to the the most dramatic moment and then the aftermath of this. So as they walk together, Isaac is asking about the lamb. 
And Abraham says, God will provide. Still, he bound Isaac and took the knife in his hand. So scripture says then, Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and put it on Isaac, his son. Then he took in his hand the fire and the knife, and then they went, both of them together. And Isaac said to Abraham, my father. And he said, behold, me, my son. And he said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Okay, so by Isaac carrying the wood of this burnt offering, which would be him. This is very much a foreshadowing and speaking of how Jesus started out even beaten and bruised, carrying his own cross. And then Isaac is wondering why his father's not bringing the male lamb for the burnt offering. And if you read Leviticus, it says male lamb. We hear ram at the end of this account. And then Abraham said, God will see to himself the male lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Then they went on, both of them together. God will see. Let us understand and let us live by this truth, this awesome, wonderful truth. Okay? The one. The covenant God, the only God, is both strength and compassion, and that is how he sees. He sees everything even before it happens with his incredible power and with his wonderful compassion, and therefore he will provide. So God sees he knows the heart that Abraham is willing to obey him even at the extreme cost of offering up the son that God had given to him according to his word, what God says he will do. And Abraham doesn't understand it, but he's doing it. And understand this, God will always provide for those with faith to obey him at any cost, even when we don't understand. And they walked on together side by side. And I think this indicates that Isaac, although he doesn't understand, he's trusting his father Abraham, just as father Abraham is trusting God, whom he doesn't understand. And then we're told when we came to the place which God had told him, Abraham built there an altar. Then he arrayed the wood and he bound Isaac, his son, and put him on the altar, on the wood. And then Abraham put forth, or took, put forth his hand. He took the knife to slay his son. So when Abraham put Isaac on the altar... His son had to believe for sure what Abraham had said to him as much as he said, and he's also trusting God. Think about it. Abraham's 135. He did not have the strength to overpower his 35-year-old son who was in his physical prime. 
Isaac cooperated with Abraham as this happened. And then we're told Abraham took the knife, stretched out his hand towards his son to slay him. Would he do it? This, everything's hanging on this moment. Even though I don't think, you know, Abraham paused because of his faith. And then the angel of Yahweh called from heaven and commanded Abraham to stop because he feared Yahweh. And then Abraham sacrificed the ram caught in the thicket. So here's one of the most powerful phrases in scripture. But the angel of Yahweh called to him from heaven and he said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, behold me. Now, the angel of Yahweh, I don't know how much you've encountered him, what kind of study Bibles you've been reading. He's, he's at least five times, seven times in just the books through Joshua. And many, if not most, Bible students and commentators have made a strong case that the angel of Yahweh is Jesus Christ before he took on human flesh. And I don't have it in the outline, but this morning I was thinking of even Joshua. Um, but he met him more as the commander of God's army. But think about this. And I've given you when... Moses saw him in the burning bush and when he came and spoke to Samson's parents. And right there, we have the angel of Yahweh speaking as Yahweh himself. He had his name when they asked Samson's parents before he was conceived, what is your name? And he said, wonderful. And he also received worship. He has to be God. That would make him Jesus. And then he calls Abraham by name twice, indicating, Abraham, you must listen. God rarely repeats himself. And then Abraham's reply was the exact same reply when he had been commanded to sacrifice Isaac. Now he's being commanded not to. He's going to be commanded to stop. He says the very same words. Here I am. See me. Tell me what to do for you. And he does. He says, you will not lay your hand on the young man, and you will not do to him anything, because now I have known you are fearing God, and you have not withheld your only son from me. Now, I think God knew, but Abraham had to know too. And so it's all coming together. Now, again, this makes sense that it would be Jesus, because remember in John's gospel, when they were questioning Jesus and who is he and his divinity at all, and they were, you know, complaining about Abraham being their father or being proud Abraham is our father, Jesus said to them, Abraham saw my day and he rejoiced. I think it was this very incident. He's saying... I was the one who spoke to Abraham and said, you are not going to sacrifice your son. And imagine the joy and relief Abraham had. Stop, 
Don't go through with this offering of your son. This is because Abraham has a strong, reverential fear of God, and that's the basis of his obedient faith. We have to recognize how awesome God is. Then we'll do anything for him, just like Abraham. So what's our application from this? We must know just as Abraham did. God does what he says, and that will enable us to be faithful to him, even when we don't comprehend what he's actually doing at this point in time. Now, here's a very interesting thing, because I'm sure by now you've figured out Isaac is a type of Jesus. I mean, all of this happened to Jesus for real, right? So in all four Gospels, we're told above and beyond what Abraham did, God freely gave his only son whom he loved to die, to be consumed on the cross for our sin. And then Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, a ram caught, a ram behind him caught in a thicket. By his horns. Then Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So here we have this Hineni, behold, over and over again. This time, this is how God provided for Abraham with a ram that was caught in a thicket. And then again, this is like Jesus' uh, substitutionary death, right? Instead of Isaac having to be sacrificed, he offered up the lamb. The male lamb provided for him by God in place of his son. And in another place, Jesus said that Abraham's faith gave him this obedience, to be willing to go through this for his wonderful father. God provides for those with faith to obey him at any cost. Now, again, God goes beyond what we do. God's son, as I said, was totally consumed on the cross. So in contrast to Abraham, God offered his son to be totally consumed and die on the cross, we could consider it a burnt offering. And here's our application. And I had, oh, at least two or three people tell me at the table at Old Home Day yesterday how important this is. We must all thank God that he always does more than he requires of his people. He does so much for us. You know, some people say, oh, God wants so much of us. No, he goes above and beyond what he gives. Whatever he asks us, he's already done, and he's done much more than we could ever do. Let's think about that and thank God for that. Now, let's jump ahead to what we heard read from John's gospel because this pulls it all together. If we didn't have the gospels of Jesus, if Jesus didn't come, we would still wonder what this story really meant. But we're told the next day, John seeing Jesus coming to him and he's saying, look, behold, edu in Greek, the male lamb of God who's taking up the sins of 
the world. Here is the gospel. Jesus fulfills that ram of the burnt offering that was offered in place of Isaac some 2,000 years before he came to earth. His total sacrificial death on the cross takes away the sin of all people who turn to him from themselves, who confess their sins to God and receive his death for them by grace, by faith. So, here's another application for us. Because Jesus suffered for us, may we find joy and peace in knowing that trials and tests, just like Abraham had and just like we have, they're designed by the loving God to fully restore his image in us through what Jesus did on the cross. In Jesus, God can do miracles for us and miracles in us. And then on the third day, much like with Yitzhak, he will laugh. Jesus rose from the dead to become the hope of life after death for all who turn to him in faith. Because he, Jesus, lives we can live too. Jesus proved with his resurrection that God can and does raise the dead. And now let's look at our last verse and bring it to a close. Then Abraham called the name of the place Yahweh will see, or in Hebrew, Yahweh Yireh, which means he will see, of which it has been said to this day, On the mount of Yahweh, it will be seen. Well, first, Yahweh provided for his people Israel through the temple, the temple worship from Mount Moriah that continued from David until the exile. And now he will provide for all who humbly obey him in faith and accept the reality that his trials and tests are necessary to grow in faith. So here's the last thing we're called to do from scripture this morning. May we be among those who live by humble, obedient faith, even when it costs us something, because God provides for those with the faith to obey him regardless of the cost. Let's sum up the scripture this morning. The son about whom Yahweh spoke to Abraham is born to Sarah in her old age. Then some 35 years later, Yahweh tests Abraham concerning his only son whom he loves, Isaac. As they walk to Mount Moriah to worship with a burnt offering, Isaac asks his father, where this lamb of sacrifice, where is it? And Abraham replies, God will see to it. And just before Abraham puts the knife in Isaac, the angel of Yahweh stops him because of his reverent fear for Yahweh. Then Abraham sacrifices a ram. And 2,000 years later, it all comes together as Jesus gave his son over to death as the lamb who takes away our sin. Jesus is the ultimate 
sacrifice, the ultimate burnt offering, and he did it all for us. Let's praise and thank God for that. God provides for those with faith to obey at any cost. 